0: Hi, everyone. This is Chrissy from Gaming Street Irregulars. Uh, in today's episode, I'm actually going to dedicate it um, to my dog, Oscar. Um, unfortunately, on March 31st, we did ha- I did have to say goodbye to one of my best friends and my pretty much my player too. Um, This one is especially bittersweet for me because this is actually one of the games that when I would play it, the music from the Legend of Zelda series would probably put him to sleep. So whenever I would play Legend of Zelda Link to the Past on my Switch, um, he would always be leaning against me with his eyes shut, just letting me pet him as I saved Hyrule. So, Oscar buddy, this one goes out to you.
1: Good afternoon, good evening, good whatever time of day it is. Welcome to Gaming 3 Regulars. My name is James Irish, and you've already met Chrissy Harding a second ago. Hello, everybody. Today
0: is my favorite game. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm stepping on your toes, James.
1: That's okay. That's okay. I I understand wholeheartedly this is a big one for you. Because today (laughs) we are talking about at least one, maybe two, Of the uh, best-known and best-loved Legend of Zelda games out there, which admittedly is most of them.
0: (laughs) This one is definitely for players, uh, definitely up in the top five. Because this one here is actually the game that reinvented and kind of put in place common elements of the Zelda formula. So, as I like to call it, because this formula pops up in a great deal of the games more often than not. And that is a link to the past when Zelda came to the Super Nintendo system. Ba,
1: ba, ba. <laughs> That's right. Released in Japan in November of 1991 and North America in April of 1992. This brought Zelda back to the forefront after a few years of dormancy. Mm-hmm. Following the release of, uh, of Zelda two, the adventure of link on the N- NES. Mm-hmm. And it returned the series to its top down roots.
0: Indeed. It brought it back to what, because, a, a, and it dropped a lot of the side scrolling gameplay, um, which does come back a little bit in uh, a link to the past, which is the second game we're going to try to talk about today. So like we said, this was um, produced by Shigoro Miyamoto. The pro- and this one here was, it's honestly, this is where people started to get a little bit confused because no one knew where to put this one in the Legend of Zelda timeline. Was this a reboot? Was this a continuation? Was this, no one knew, like, was this before? Or was this after? What was this? And Zelda fans love their timelines, I always kind of looked at Legend of Zelda unless it was explicitly said to be a sequel to a game in the series as each one kind of an anthology. It was kind of like you took the same characters but put them in kind of a new a new situation. And for me this also was some elements of a less open-world Final... not even Final Fantasy. It was like a less of an open-world RPG where you could go around the place and do things in the order you wanted to. However, it wasn't always recommended. (laughs) So... James, what was your first memory of this game?
1: I remember either renting or borrowing it maybe a year or two after it was out. And playing through it in a matter of a few days and after that I I haven't touched it so a lot of it is hazy in my memory but I I remember enough of the concepts and and such that I can at least hopefully follow along for for most of this
0: okay so what I'll do For James, and for those of you who still have a slightly hazy memory of this game, I'm going to try to do a quick rundown of the story of A Link to the Past. So when you begin the game, Link is actually sleeping and live in his house with his uncle. Um, It is stated that he is the last descendant of the Knights of Hyrule. While he's trying to sleep, Zelda, somehow in this game, has the ability of being a telepath who calls to Link to come rescue her. as you know, She has been locked away by the evil wizard, Ganannan. And I'm sure I said that wrong. And you guys can all at me for that one later. So after his uncle leaves, Link kind of follows him. Uh, encounters his uncle in the dungeon of the thing. And he, of course, he's hurt. And that's when you get your sword. Somehow, always some old guy is giving a kid a sword in these games. He eventually goes and rescues Zelda hides her in the sanctuary and is tasked to finding a mage so then he goes and tries to find the mage and eventually he does find the first mage and he is sent on a quest to retrieve three pendants courage wisdom and power the triforce sort of as he gets those zelda's found and is sent to what is known as the dark world which was once known as the Golden World or the Sacred Realm, but was corrupted by Ganon. Link goes to, like I said, Link goes to rescue her, gets sent to this place, and proceeds to have to find the Seven Maidens, who are the descendant of the Seven Sages. And if you played Ocarina of Time, yes, this is where that came from, where you had to find the Seven Temples for the Seven maid, for the Seven Sages. He also has to find the master. He also, at this time, had to find the Master Sword too. This is where the Master Sword is now a legitimate part. This is the first game where the Master Sword makes an appearance. So all of those elements that we know from Legend of Zelda, hi, it all started here. <laughs> so if you played this game well, you rescue everybody, including Zelda. You run into Ganon, you beat Ganon. And you get the Triforce, and you restore the Dark World and Hyrule to its previous state, including bringing back everyone who the evil wizard had killed. Such as your uncle, the priest in the sanctuary who tried to protect Zelda and was killed by the guards, Zelda's dad, the king, and the Master Sword goes back to its resting place. And that is the brief down and dirty... Version of Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past. I'm sure I skipped stuff. It works. Don't worry about it.
1: Okay, so mechanically speaking, this was, while it was indeed a throwback to the top down of the first Zelda game, that perspective, rather, Mm -hmm. this was a much more, or a much less restrictive take on the game, in that you had diagonal movement, you had a, a, a wider range of means of attack... It introduced a number of new tools and concepts into the game, like the ability to catch fairies and store them in a bottle, which, frankly, seems kind of
0: cruel. You never saw the Gamer Cat comic where they explain where the potions came from.
1: No, no, I haven't.
0: Don't. It's traumatizing. Good comic, by the way. If you're a gamer, that is a good comic. So to read. That one in save state. I will recommend those for anyone who is a gamer fan, who is a gamer because you will understand everything that these characters go through as a gamer. And they're cute.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah, but this one here also brought back, as we talked about in the first episodes that we did for Zelda, um, one of the themes is an evil wizard manipulating the king. So, in this case, they actually gave the wizard a name, Aganem, the priest, who, act- who, if you actually look at any of the cartoon drawings of him, the symbol that is actually on his robes is very similar to the sheik symbol that becomes into play during Arena of Time. So, there was a lot of elements in this game that the later games kind of ran away with. But having that evil wizard manipulating the king... Just as we said in the original Zelda legend, there was an evil wizard manipulating the king, turning him against his sister. In this case, we have an evil wizard manipulating the king to turn against the seven sages because the king was alive when this wizard started hunting down the seven maidens and was making them disappear so he could break the seal on Ganon and bring Ganon back.
1: And I'm just trying to think of what else this game introduced that has endured in the Zelda mythos. And the first thing that jumps to my mind is the hookshot.
0: Oh my god, yes. This is the first, the first uh, game that actually has the hookshot in it. And it also has the rock feather, which allows you to jump. That you can't do if you, didn't, if you didn't have that. It also is one of the games that actually started to develop a little bit the lore. Of uh, Hyrule, uh, in a sense, it gave it also. It's the first game that shows the Hylian script, um, which is actually the link which is actually the ancient written language of Hyrule, the Hylian script. It's also the first time they brought the word Hylian into existence uh, in this game, identifying the race that Zelda and Link are part of.
1: All right.
0: Um, this is also one of the first ones where you get the Zora slippers, flippers, so you can swim. And you actually meet a Zora who se- who actually sells that to you.
1: Okay. Yeah, a really big one, if I remember right.
0: Oh yeah, he's huge. This is also the one where you get upgrades to your, um, to your bombs, to, into your arrows, and to your, um... Bing, uh, boomerang, not by exploring a dungeon, but by throwing rupees into a fountain to a fairy.
1: Oh, okay. So, the, so you you pay off the fairy, and in return, the fairy enchants your sub items.
0: Yep, and allows you to carry more of them. And you even get to pick which which one she upgrades. So it wasn't like she picked to choose. Like you're just going to get new bombs this time. Instead, she actually turns around and she goes, which one would you like, more bombs or more arrows? Like, she gives you the choice, so you can kind of pick how you want to play.
1: Yeah, that's another thing I wanted to make sure I mentioned, because in contrast to the first game where they streamlined inventory by tying arrows to your rupee count, in other words, you were paying for them as you went, you have an Mm -hmm. inventory of arrows
0: Yep, you can get rolled well up to 99, I think. Okay.
1: Yeah. That's, that's and, a lot. Down to it.
0: Well, when your aim sucks and you have to hit something about 50 times to kill it, not quite as much as you think.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Um, But this was also the game that took when... This was one of the games that was actually... Initially, one of the most clamored for re-releases among the Zelda community, because once the Super Nintendo kind of went to the wayside and we moved on to other sh- other games, this was a game that a lot of fans wanted re-released because... This game was as much as it was open, it was still a little streamlined. Uh, when you got to the dark world and saved them, you know, the maidens, you had to hit a button and it actually had each maiden marked with a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So you could go to those oh. seven maidens. so you could pick the order, but it gave you the recommended order. But this was one that it got ported to the Game Boy Advance and And it took forever to come to the 3DS. So unless you still had an old Game Boy Advance kicking around, it took a long time for it to come to the 3DS. It was on the Wii um, via the Virtual Console. But like I said, if you didn't have a Wii and you only had the DSs, you were out of luck trying to replay this game.
1: Hmm. And Mercifully, it's available for free now with a subscription to Nintendo Switch's online service.
0: Which I highly recommend because there's a lot of good games on that Switch service.
1: Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, We can go on a very long tangent talking about how many games are on there that we recommend people look at.
0: So there's a couple little bit of legacies with this game too. So there's a lot of hidden gems to this game that so many people... Did not know about until later on. One of them is the Cyclops that you can bri- that you can have bribe you to leave you alone, so you can bully the Cyclops into giving you up to five hundred rupees.
1: Good heavens!
0: Just by saying you're not going to leave alone. However, once you get the five hundred rupees, leave because if you try to get more out of him, he will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. There's a point where you can be too greedy. Um the other one sure is something was. Yeah. There's something known about the Chris Hulahan rule room. Did you ever hear about the story behind this? I have not. So Nintendo Power held a contest in which a s winner um a selected winner would appear random in one of an in an upcoming Nintendo game. They did not say what it was. Uh, to enter, the player had to take a photo of the warm mech, which was a powerful and rare enemy in the Final Fantasy game.
1: Right. Um, at that the time. In, uh, in the fourth, uh, the Wind Dungeon.
0: Mm hmm. So, a kid who won it, his name was Chris Houlahan. Um He won the contest. Now, they never told you what game it is um, and how it would be found. It was actually in Legend of Zelda, it's a single broom that creates. 45 blue rupees. And it has a note bearing a greeting from Chris Houlihan, the winner of the contest. So he did get his cameo, it's just no one told him what game it was.
1: Uh, that's kind of lame for the guy.
0: I know. Um, it has five different methods you can get into it. And it actually was intended to be a crash prevention crash prevention measure. Um, So this game would send the players to this room if it could not determine where Link was going when he was going to another area. The message actually says, my name is Chris Houlihan and this is my top secret room. Keep it between us, okay? It literally took another uh, 10 years, more than a decade after Link to the Past had initially been released for people to find this room. So... You can find this room in the emulators. Um, obviously, the, another increased popularity of this room is the actual internet itself. So, ROMs of this game that, you know, the ones, as we tell you, you can play any way you can, had this, still had this code in there. The only version of it is that the only version that doesn't allow you to access it is the Legend of Zelda Link to the Past and Four Swords game that was released for the Game Boy Advance. So the any of so in that game if you tried to access the room you couldn't access it. It was there. You just couldn't get into it. Um Virtual Console actually and Switch online actually put it back in cuz people were so upset the fact they couldn't get to this room anymore.
1: Well, I I imagine that since they were just bringing over the Super Nintendo ROM it was just okay, it's still there. We'll we'll just leave it as is.
0: Yeah, so and that's one of the things that so many people were like, when they played the Game Boy Advance, they were like, why can't... We? The room was there. You could go into the code and find the room. You could not access it, and it drove them nuts. You want to drive gamers nuts? Keep nuts. Keep something in there that they could see in the code, but don't let them get to it. <laughs> they, they go crazy. Game Radar actually lists the Chris Houlihan um, room, and, and it's... Uh, pretty much it's the third, it's in their list for greatest uh, video game, video game easter eggs and it's in their video game secrets that were almost never found um, it is actually um, i think it's like number 2 justin towel's list of the top seven secret rooms in video games and it's one of the most exclusive secrets in the video in the Zelda universe according to him um, it's almost on every top twenty-five things you didn't know about Legend Zelda list that are, for the most part, out there. So I mean, that's kind of that's one of the interesting things. Also, this game was also used. We never got it here in the United States, but in Japan, there was a version to one of the systems where you can actually online play a game with other people.
1: That's the Teleview. The Teleview. No, Satellaview. So satellite view. Yes. Tel-a-view.
0: This was one of those games. Um, they created it was a follow up to it. That was pretty much the translation is Legend of Zelda Ancient Stone Tablets. And all it was was just another version of Link to the Past. It took place six years after the events of Link to the Past. And you can insert your player character into it. And have your player character play the game. But you could only play it when the episodes were live. So if you tried to play it when the game was not live on the Satella view, you couldn't play the game.
1: That's not very user-friendly, to be quite honest.
0: But yeah, remember, it was also 1997.
1: Well, yeah.
0: And you actually... And and what you wanted to... And but the reason, and they also had... was one of the few times... <laughs> They had voice acting in the Legend of Zelda games.
1: Oh, that must have been unusual.
0: Considering we're so used to these guys not talking, yeah. So that no. was kind of. And also, this is one of the few games that had two, not one, but two mangas released on it. There's I the one that.
1: One of them was in Nintendo Power.
0: Yes, it was. It was serialized in twelve issues from January to December of nineteen ninety-two. I used to have all of those, <laughs> uh, and I refused to give them up. and And it was actually that was actually a very um, loose. Uh, it was actually that one actually was more closely to the game sort to the game information than the one, um, than the two that came out in Japan. And in Japan, they actually introduced a new character as a love interest to Link that was not Zelda, and her name was Ganti. She was a thief, and she looked kind of like um, a dark, one of the Dark World creatures with a zingles devil horn and a star under her eye. And she eventually kind of, she was loyal to Ganon, but eventually joined Link. Okay. Yeah, that one was uh, made by Hakara. Car, sorry, Akira Himakawa. Okay. So you can actually buy that one now in Barnes & Noble.
1: Yeah, as opposed to the Nintendo Power one, which has not been reprinted, uh, uh, unlike the Super Mario World one, which I, I have in its reprinted mm-hmm. edition.
0: Well, the interesting thing is, if you want to read any of these, Zelda Universe actually has all of the mangas that have been released uploaded on their website. So if you can't easily find any of them, they actually have the Nintendo Power version of this of comic on their website to read.
1: Okay, yeah. I, I'd, I'd rather they publish it in a, in a book format, though.
0: I agree. I I would prefer it that way too. But in case you know you were just like, I'd like to refresh myself on that story.
1: There it is. So let let's talk about some of the some of the enemies this game introduced or some <sighs> of the creatures in general, because you mentioned cyclopses and I think immediately to the bomb cyclops.
0: <laughs> yeah, they uh, this this game actually gave more of kind of gave us what we now look to as the enemies that we are used to in a Zelda game. I actually have a list here of all the enemies that were put into this game. If only I can find it. Apparently I lost it. Dang it. But we get an idea. We get a better, like moblins. We know we now have a better idea of what moblins look like. Octaworks look like. Um, Oh God, the lion ones that are so hard to kill. Lionel. Lionels. We actually this game here gave us a better idea of what these characters look like, um, right. which which is nice.
1: Although uh, the moblins would change and change and change over the years.
0: Well, the moblins still kept moblins in the first game versus moblins in this in these games the moblins in the later games kept more of their pig-like structure and they look like little small, like piggy dog structures to them and kind of look like a smaller version of Ganon.
1: I'm used, I'm still used to more to the bulldog style moblin. Yeah. So when I see the, the more modern ones with, with their more elongated muzzle And like that, that, that I think is a, is a radical departure to what I'm used to.
0: Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is you have to keep up as, as each game is made and you go further and further down the timeline, which characters are going to evolve. One of the biggest departures of that is Wind Waker. When we get an idea of, okay, here are all these different creatures in the Zelda universe, what would happen if they had to adapt to a whole new environment and how they would change and that's when you get the different islands in that game so um as we get more and more creatures and remember this is back in 1992 99 90s probably when the game first started development and you know they have newer graphics to play with they can do more details link is still silent but you know, you still have, you know, you're they're, they're creating and they're working, and it's evolving. That's why, for me, with Legend of Zelda, I look at it as an anthology versus an actual set timeline. Because as they put out new games in this series, um, your timeline's going to get all screwed up. Like, it took them forever to have, the like, the, the official timeline, and then that got all f- bombed to hack when they came out with A Link Between Worlds. <laughs> you know, because it's like, okay, where does this fall? And it's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. So, you know, but it keeps evolving. And if you really look at Moblins, I think Moblins are probably the best example of a creature that evolves as these were as this as time changes, you know. We're all used to them being the bulldog-looking creature, and then they started giving the bulldog-looking creature more, you know, pig-like features because of the corruption from Ganon.
1: But during the demise. Super Nintendo version, they were still recognizable as, as that.
0: Yeah, so you got. I think. As you get into the technology going higher and higher up, like as the as the technology in the developing the games gets better, they can actually do more to merge characteristics. If you're going to, you know, it's, you can't merge, char- I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. When you have a set amount of sprites to work with, you're going to want to try to keep it as basic as you can so people understand what that creature is. So you can't really mess with the guy. You know, if you people recognize it like you and I do from playing the Nintendo Super Nintendo versions, Moblins are dogs. That's what they look like. They're, they have a dog-like face. It's easy to keep it that way, but then when you get more in-depth... Um, just you know more you can do more with the the the, the cgi and, and the graphic design you're going to try to put you're going to try to up your game a little bit but they still when they go back and do more traditional gameplay more traditional zelda games set in the more traditional world if you notice they take the moblins and they kind of move them back to what we know of that time period so i give them kudos for that because moblins in the a link between worlds are very clearly mo- are very clear clearly classic moblins they don't mess with them as much as they used to so it's kind of nice when they instead of when they're going back to a more traditional or more set world that we know they go back to those classic designs
1: i feel a little, in it, uh, I feel lost.
0: <laughs> Should we go on to the next game?
1: Uh, no, no. there's still some stuff on Link to the Past that we can we can discuss. Okay. Uh, I just I just feel like
0: I think I went a little bit too technical. I apologize.
1: No, no. <laughs> it's not you. It's me.
0: No, it's I tend to. I when I go into graphic design stuff, I'm like, ooh, I like this part and i go into i lose people so i apologize okay. so but the other cool thing about this game is guess what it, it introduced one of my favorite things about any role-playing game fast travel
1: okay I, I think i know a little bit about what you're getting at here because you you had a dash attack in this game that could cross between screens right
0: yep and you can run everywhere in this game that's my favorite thing about it because the game world is so huge and when you're trying to get from the witch's house to the swamp or the desert whatever it is in the light world that is a to walk it is annoying to dash it is more fun (laughs) there's also too um, if you get the orc arena you can also summon a duck to take you into cer- to certain dungeons, but that's uh, later in the game.
1: Okay, that I don't remember. It's and a lot think of this. Never pick up a duck in a dungeon. Never.
0: No, never. Well, no, in Legend of Zelda, leave the chickens alone.
1: No, oh, you mean the cuckoos.
0: The cuckoos. Because
1: that's the first game they appear in, which is what I've been trying to reach.
0: Yeah. Uh, definitely my one advice in this game is just leave them alone. Just leave them alone. Don't, just don't, don't. I know you want to think it's cute. You know, you want to hit them with your sword or hit them with your bow and arrow. Don't do it. <laughs> Cause James, you all, we all know what happens when you hit them too much.
1: Yes. In, in fact, I saw a parody of, of trailer for a mixture of this game and Game of Thrones where the Ramsay Bolton analog decides he's going to torture information out of people by strapping them down in an open air area and torturing a cuckoo enough so that it summons the flock right around them
0: oh no oh my god I need to see that now yeah, I, <laughs> I haven't I will seen post that one
1: yet. That video on the Facebook page in the lead up to the release of this episode.
0: But yeah, it's yeah. If you want to die fast, just do
1: that. And that will carry over into a lot of other Zelda games.
0: Mm-hmm. Because there is no way to beat that boss.
1: So speaking of beating bosses, do you have a favorite dungeon in this game?
0: I'm always partial. I actually am always partial to the um, the thieves' den or mystery woods in um, in the dark world. Okay. I'm always I've always liked I've always liked that one because you pop in and out of that dungeon, and it's like a maze labyrinth to get to the other part of the dungeon, and it is it's kind of a lot of fun to do it. It's it's not the best dungeon to put the game down in the middle of and take a week off and then try to go back. Cause you'll have because you'll end up starting the dungeon over just to remember all the little things. But I give it kudos because it is such a good dungeon design that it keeps you on your toes. And that's another fun thing with this game. I love the dungeon design. That and the shadow palace. I like the shadow palace too. That's great. How about you? What was yours?
1: Oh, it's been so long; I can scarcely remember. I I, I would have to get back to you on that.
0: Not a problem.
1: And uh, we will, and we probably will, because eventually I want to do a less game focused one of these, and instead bring back one of our regular guests and pose questions to them about their overall gaming experiences, you know, rather than hone in on one game or one series, just let them wax poetic about their favorite memories. Like we did oh. on our first episode.
0: Oh yeah. where we, we asked each other's where we answered each other's questions. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That would be good. <laughs> Definitely bring back all our, start with all of our post guests and we'll call it, get to know your gamer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see who we, who we can corral for that. Uh, I'd, I'd like to bring Seth back for that, in fact, first. Because he, he's the only one who's not on our schedule right now. Hmm. hasn't been on in a while.
0: Yeah, we need to bring Seth back. Seth's fun. Um, There we go. Tangent. Woo!
1: Yeah, I think that might be our first one so far.
0: I think so. This is the longest we've gone in a. This may be the like the longest we've gone in a cast without a tangent. Zelda, one, two, one. So, this was also the first game that introduced the uh, the magic mechanic. Okay. So, if you ever noticed in the game, there is like that little bar off to the left hand side with the green the green bar, as you use magical items. You use you actually will use part of that bar. If that bar is empty, guess what you can't really use anymore. Your magical items. Naturally. So, but the game is very forgiving because it drops a lot of magic vials, a lot of them. But we won't see this, but what's interesting is this mechanic disappears in the next uh, the next few games. And doesn't come back again until Orcarina of Time. Okay. So it was cool that they, they introduced this as well as the emblems. Which are the Bombos, the Thunder, and I forgot what the third one was. But there are these magic emblems that you could put into your inventory. And if you were surrounded, like for the Bombos one, you would actually, if you were surrounded by enemies and you hit this one, it would blow everybody up in your immediate vicinity.
1: Interesting
0: there is the one that is shaped like a a lightning bolt. And if you click that one and it literally any enemy in the area gets hit with lightning. So this is, it's kind of cool because while you don't always use them, because they do use a lot of your magic meter. So you kind of save those for like the situations where it's like, okay, I'm down to three hearts and I haven't hit, I haven't landed a blow on anybody boom Mm. well it's also cool with this game too and i don't know if you knew this james i didn't learn this until i looked on one of the walkthroughs so you know how we catch the fairies and put them in the bottles yeah do you know you could catch those bees that pop out of certain plants and put them in the bottle i think i did and then when you let them out of the bottle they actually follow you and will attack enemies for you
1: yeah, that, that seems to be activating uh, a memory cell in my brain that has not been used in decades. So yeah, so
0: yeah. yeah, that was that was something that I actually when I played initially when I used to when I played the game when I was younger, I did not know that. I just thought they were annoying as hell and I had to kill them. Then I played Link to the Path or uh, Link Between Worlds, and there's a character in there called Bug Boy, who gives you the net just like he gives you the net in a link to the past and if you get the golden bee and put him in a bottle anytime that you are in a dungeon you can let the golden bee out he will always stay in your bottle but you can let the golden bee out and that and he will follow you forever when you oh. let him out he will follow you and he between screens so between so when you let him out he'll follow you for several screens and he will attack every enemy on the screen for you
1: interesting
0: so yeah if you don't feel like doing the work you have a minion now
1: okay anything else you wanted to head up about this game before we move on
0: um i think this is honestly also the first game where zelda is seen in something other than her princess dress Oh. because she's in commoners clothes when you meet her
1: She's okay. in a blue
0: she's in a very basic blue dress. She's not wearing her normal pink princess regalia. As as in other games when you meet Zelda that is what she's always dressed in is, is her royal regalia. All
1: right. All right. That's, that's about right.
0: So Link Awakening is the game is the first Zelda game that went to a handheld console on the Game Boy.
1: That's right. Released in Japan on June of 1993 and following 2 months later in in North America, this game was a very distinct departure from some of the other standards of the series that had come before it. And yeah, that this is... one is odd. I I've never played this one before, but I'm well aware of its reputation for being a little more surreal than what has come before it.
0: Indeed. And actually, this game here is the very first game in the Zelda series that did not take place in Hyrule.
1: Right. It takes place on Koholint Island. Yeah,
0: Koholint Island. A place guarded by the whale-like deity called the Windfish. And what's interesting with this game is this first began development as an effort to port Legend of Zelda Link to the Past to the Game Boy. And its beginning development was taking place after hours by the Nintendo staff. So,
1: Right. This is a similar story to something we're going to be seeing in a couple weeks' time when we talk about the Mega Man games.
0: Exactly. So this really started as an after hours kind of project it was kind of um a wish it's kind of like one of those it was a dream project it was a labor of love by the by the staff that did a link to a link to the past they were looking for a way to port it to the game boy because at the time when the super nintendo came out not everyone could afford a super nintendo Nowadays, by today's standards, the Super Nintendo would have been considered very cheap at two hundred dollars for a system, and I think like two games you got with it.
1: One, well, one game.
0: One game, which was at the time Super Mario Brothers, world, um, which we will get to in another episode too.
1: Yes, yes, probably sometime in July. Mm
0: -hmm. But they were looking for a way to bring this game, which. Zelda, Link, A Link to a Past brought back the Zelda series in a way that no one expected. I think, you know, it was because the music in A Link to a Past was great. So were the graphics. So they wanted to replicate that on the Game Boy. Good luck. Yeah. So th- the director for this was uh, Tashaki Tezuka. Um, and he actually was. It was, it was under his direction. And the two people who wrote the script for this was Yoshiaki Kazuma and Kensuki Tanabi. So that was your, those are the, so when you want to know who is to blame for the very surreal twin peak like story in Link's Awakening, those are you guys.
1: Yeah. And let's get into that story because this is probably the deepest Zelda story yet from based on my impressions, and especially comparing it to Link to the Past, because there's a lot going on here. This actually takes place right after the events of a Link to the Past, where he's Link is traveling to train, and he gets shipwrecked on Koholint Island, and he's taken in by uh, Tarin and his daughter, Marin. Mm-hmm. Link eventually learns... After recovering his soul from a uh, sorry sword, sold. What is, he recovered his soul?
0: He brought back the soul. <laughs> okay. sorry.
1: After, after he recovers his sword, a mysterious owl tells him that he must waken the windfish, Koholan's guardian, in order to return home. But over the course of his adventure, he learns that in awakening the windfish, he ends the windfish's dream which is essentially Koholant Island.
0: Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Uh, once the wind fish wakens, the island will disappear. That is actually the plot twist that you get after, I think it's the sixth dungeon, where you, you kind of, you, when you go through this island and you meet all the quirky inhabitants of this island, from Marin and Taran, who actually will eventually live on in the characters of Malin and Talon, of um, Holdrum, as well as um, Malin and Talon, also pop up in Orcarina of, Dra- of, of time of Lanlan Lan Ranch. So you, these characters will continue. These, this was the beginning of that father-daughter duo that you will see in other games. So this was also the first one that in it, that actually also brought in. The collecting of some theme of objects. Okay. So in Legend of Zelda, you, you visited the, the, the different dungeons to get the pieces of the Triforce. In Link 2, you were putting gems into statues. Uh, Legend of Zelda, you were saving maidens. This is actually one of the first ones where you're collecting musical instruments. So you weren't collecting something that was the same in each one. This was one where each dungeon had an in, a musical instrument in it, and you were collecting those instruments. And that will carry over actually in the Oracle series too. Okay. So this was actually the first one where it wasn't. It was an actual theme set, not just one item that was broken into pieces or gems that had to be put into a statue this was the one where they they then started that will pop up in other game boy games uh zelda portable games uh, collecting instruments collecting um oh in the oracle series it was like tools or something like i'll have to look into it but there's all of these different different things and also what's cool with this one is it gives you a secret ending if you do not die during the game at all
1: yes and uh even though this is going to be a very spoiler heavy uh discussion but you know it's a 30 year old game at this point you know it's on me to have played this in in that time frame so i I have no excuse to be spoiled here and Mm -hmm. you don't unless you're a kid. In which case, you haven't had enough. You probably haven't had enough of a lifespan to find time to play this game yet. But even so, you probably will give this too. I, I do oh, to Yeah, yet.
0: yeah. But if you don't lose any of your lives in this game, which I keep trying to do and I keep dying in the cat in the fish maw, which ticks me off because I love water dungeons and that one I always end up dying in for some... I don't know, I'm cursed on that on that dungeon. Uh, you will actually see Marion flying away after the end credits finish. So, at the end credits, after you beat the Wind Fish, you beat the one um, known as Deathel, who is the final boss in the game, who's keeping the Wind Fish asleep. Um, you'll go to a part where you know, link is um, lying on his ship's driftwood in the middle of the ocean with the windfish flying overhead. You'll see the end credits and then you'll actually see Marin flying as well when the credits end, implying that she lived.
1: which is a very sweet touch.
0: It is. It's very and it's a very interesting game. This game actually got not a remake. I guess we could call it a remake.
1: It's it's very much a remake.
0: So it got a, it it got it got a remake with updated graphics that look a little bit more like the graphics of a link between a link between worlds. So a little bit more non-pixely, a little bit more smoother. Um, they also added a whole lot more to this game in the remake version you can actually make your own dungeons
1: So yeah so this is the switch one you're talking about
0: this is the switch one so this one did get a remake and people have kind of been actually to tie to the to tie to um, a link to the past people have been clamoring for a link to the past to get a remake too
1: well naturally
0: and this is also the first game that introduced fetch quests.
1: Uh, into the series, that is,
0: yes, it is. So, this was the game that got you know, all you know, how you do that trading game in every Zelda game. You can thank this game for it. And it starts with a Yoshi doll, and that is an also a theme that's going to pop up in several of the Zelda handheld games,
1: too. Yeah, that's something I wanted to discuss because there is an entire raft of Nintendo cameos in this game establishing. A precedent for the handheld games, at least. The full list of the of the major characters who cameo include the aforementioned Yoshi. You see, Wart from the American Super Mario Brothers Two. You mm-hmm. see Kirby. You see Doctor Wright from Nintendo's Sim City, here renamed Mister mm-hmm. Wright and mm-hmm. exiled prince richard from the J- J- japan only game the frog for whom the bell tolls
0: which when you first meet richard in this game you and if you've never heard of that other game you he talks about how he was exiled and all of his people went crazy and you had to go find him five golden leaves and if you've never played the heard of the japanese game you have no idea that he is probably the longest running cameo in this game because he, where everyone else kind of pops in and pops out, you have a whole side quest with him getting these freaking golden leaves. I'm
1: guessing you're not a fan.
0: When I first played the game, I was like, this is different. When you play the game several times, and when you go, if you go back to him before you have all five leaves, he comes across as a bit of um, a snap. He really does. Okay. And unfortunately, you cannot skip the side quest because you have to get him the the leaves in order to get the key for the third dungeon.
1: All right.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: Um, is a bit annoying.
0: Oh, very much so. Also, you f- you forgot one of the cutest little minions ever also appear in this game, too.
1: Oh, oh yeah, Chain Chops.
0: Chain Chops, because you get, and that's in a character known as Bow Wow, who you need to get to the second dungeon.
1: And, and you'll have some other uh, generic enemies for the Super Mario games, like Goombas, Piranha Plants, and mm-hmm. a few others, I think.
0: Oh, yeah, they pop in. There's also... I remember, I think there's a Dooku... This is one of the first games with a Dooku scrub too. And he only pops up uh, once and it's in the part of the game where you run into the like-likes who like to eat your shield. Uh, Right. And he's there to sell you (laughs) a new shield (laughs) for 50 rupees. This is also the first game that will... Call you out as a thief if you try to steal anything from the shop in the village.
1: Oh. That's...
0: So if you attempt to steal the bow, because you don't want to pay the 989 rupees for it, you are then and eighty-nine. Yep. Yikes! Yeah, you have to you have to kill a lot of plants to get it. You you can also beat the game without it.
1: I think I'll beat it's, the game without it.
0: It's hard, but you can beat the game without it. I've, I actually tried that at one point and I did do it. I died many times, but I did do it.
1: Having to farm 989 rupees. And just outrageous. remember, and remember you only can carry
0: 999 rupees and you have to buy the arrows on top of it. The arrows are separate.
1: Oh, naturally.
0: Welcome to capitalism in games. But if you decide that you don't want to pay that and you steal the the bow, you are labeled thief throughout the rest of the game. Every character your name instead of what your name is you put in is now changed to thief for the rest of the game. Wow. And uh, if you go back into that shop to try to buy anything legitimately, the shopkeeper kills you.
1: Oh, brother.
0: Every time you go into the shop.
1: I, I'm still hung up on the price of this boat. What is it made up to justify that?
0: It's a dream. What do you want? The Freaking the windfish can pick whatever he wants the price to be.
1: Windfish probably isn't even picking it uh, consciously. It's probably just subliminal.
0: Yeah, but yeah, so you can steal it. Just know that your butt is going to get, the game does not approve of that choice. And also, when the Game Boy Color came out, this was actually, the remake version that is on the Switch is not the first remake of this game.
1: No, that's right. The, the Game Boy Color got a version of it as well
0: called the Zelda DX. And actually in that game, as another little side side quest, is you can actually go to certain places in the game and another cameo character pops up. And it is the camera guy from Earthbound. Really? And he will pop in. And he will take pictures of you in these different places and you actually have a photo album in the game of these pictures with the digitalized art, which is actually really cool.
1: Okay, now, question. Was this compatible with the Game Boy printer?
0: Yes, it actually was. Okay. So you could print them out, too. Very nice. Yeah, and actually, um, when they put The game. So when *A Link's Awakening* was made available on the Virtual Console, it was not the original version that I grew up that I ended up playing. It was the DX version. Okay. So the original untouched version of *A Link's Awakening* has not been released, other than on the Switch. But even then, that remake has extra stuff put in it too. So the original game itself has not been released to just play um, since its original release.
1: I find that somewhat surprising. I guess Nintendo figures the, uh, the original has been superseded by the DX version.
0: And that's what it is. The DX version um, is what they kind of push because they, it was a very critically acclaimed game. That it was actually one of, surprisingly enough, it was one of the most critically acclaimed Zelda games.
1: And you wouldn't expect that for for a release on what people consider to be the junior version of the Nintendo hardware generations.
0: Yeah, and and you got to remember the Game Boy lasted for a very long time. Like the Game Boy, the Game Boy hung around for quite some time. Yeah. Um. The Game Boy Color was launched in 98, but even with the Game Boy Color, Game Boy games were still kind of being made. Um,
1: Yeah, you can thank Pokemon for that.
0: And the Game Boy Color, the only thing that gave the Game Boy Color a real selling point was the backward compatible with the original Game Boy games. That That was it. Like, if you just had the Game Boy Color come out and you couldn't play your Game Boy games on it, which is the one thing I have to give Nintendo about its handhelds, was it always made them backwards compatible?
1: Almost always, at least. Uh,
0: The only one it didn't was with the...
1: The Game Boy Micro only played Game Boy Advance games. It did not feature backwards compatibility with Game Boy or Game Boy Color.
0: Yeah, and the Game Boy and uh, the 3DS... the, The 3DS was compatible to the DS... Where the DS was compatible not only with Game Boy Advance games, but if you got the adapter, you could play your Game Boy games on it. The DS was the ultimate backwards compatible handheld. Right. Because you could play your whole library on it and on one device. So it was very interesting, kind of that one. (laughs) The other thing that's kind of cool about uh, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening is it introduced the compass,
1: as as in separate to the compasses in the dungeons from the original legend of zelda. Mhm.
0: So okay. the compasses that were in your regular legend of zelda games would tell you where the boss was. These compasses not only told you where treasure chests were. It would also go off if you were in a room where a treasure chest had not been opened yet.
1: Okay.
0: So I kind of consider these like the compass. Like this is this is the ultimate compass. This was this was the ultimate hint machine. Uh, the other thing, yeah, the other thing this one also introduced to was the um, the owl statues, and the hint which eventually was replaced by the hint stones. And what with, with these owl statues were is, if you went up to them, they would give you hints. The the statue's eyes would open and the wings would go up and look like they were flapping, and it would give you the hint of how to either get the boss key or how to beat the boss. Okay. And it also introduced the acorn.
1: And and what did the
0: acorn do again? The acorn made you invincible. It was kind of like the star from Mario Brothers.
1: Well, if you can crack through that hard acorn, Phil, I'd imagine you're pretty invincible to begin with.
0: Yeah, so with the acorn was, if you got the acorn, it was called the acorn of power. Mm -hmm. And pretty much it upped the damage of your sword and it decreased the amount of damage you could take. Pretty much it made you invincible because usually when you found the acorn was usually where the one hit bad guys were that you could already kill with one hit. So instead of just hitting them and they would just go poof, you would hit them, they go fly across the screen, and then go poof.
1: I wonder what squirrels are like in, on Caholant on Island, if there's acorns like that around.
0: Uh, well, considering the dogs on the island are chain chomps, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't want to mess with one.
1: Naturally.
0: <laughs> oh. No.
1: Anything yes. else want talk about this one?
0: Uh, oh, the animal village. Okay. So there is on the other side of the island, an exact same village as the one that Marin lives in, except it's called the Animal Village. And they love Marin. And there's a part in the game where you go on an escort mission, except it's not really an escort mission because Marin takes no damage. Uh, She just follows you. So you can actually go into dungeons with her and she'll follow you. All right. She takes no. She takes no damage. Nothing hits. Like if something hits her, she doesn't go running away screaming or cowering in a corner. She just is kind of. She just is like, you know, invincible.
1: <laughs> Finally,
0: <laughs> she, that's what I, I can actually stand. I know and she, and um, if you get it's um, she gives you get an orc arena in this one as well just like you kind of do in in link to a link to a past you get an orc arena too. so this was the actual link to the past introduced the orc arena right. which now features in every zelda game <laughs> including this one but with this one when you play the orc arena with marin you learn music so you actually pick up songs in this game that help you with your mission which you'll see, which also plays in other games too, like um, Uh, Ocarina of Time, The Oracle of Ages, and Majora's Mask. I haven't really played Twilight Princess as much as I would have preferred because when I got started into it, I loaned my disc to a friend and I have yet to get it back. Oh, You know who you are, and I know you have my game. I will find you.
1: Mm.
0: So, I don't know if the Orc Arena plays in in, uh, Twilight Princess at all. I'm going to assume it probably does because it's just something Zelda games love is music playing a part in it. So, in the Orc Arena, the Orc Arena in Link to a Past allows you to summon the duck. (laughs) <laughs> that, will that will take you to the different take to the different dungeons. In Link's Awakening, you learn three songs. You learn Mondo's Mambo. you learn a song from Wart, and then you learn the ballad of the Windfish. The Ballad of the Windfish will allow you to crack the Windfish's egg at the top of Mount... Oh, I'm going to mess this up. Hang on, i got to get it. Come here, you. There we go. Do so I have to see the name? Tomarach. Tomaranch. So okay. Mount Tomaranch, that was actually easier than I thought it would be. Um, you actually would stand in front of it once you get the eight instruments of the sirens... There's your Greek mythology. And it will actually, once you have all eight um, instruments, it will crack the egg open. So you can enter the final dungeon of the game, which is an egg.
1: Mm. And that's where you encounter the the nightmare versions of Gan and some of the other past bosses.
0: Pretty much you have to fight eight bosses in a row. That's a lot. Yeah. And then Ganon, and then the final form, which looks like something out of Lovecraft. Um, And actually, the egg, you had, in order to, so the egg is not a traditional dungeon. So, the egg in this game, um, you actually have to get, a looking glass, so that's one of the reasons why you have to complete the fetch quests is because at the end, the last trade that you do, you get this magnifying glass which will allow you to read the directions in a book in um, the main village that tells you how to navigate the egg to get to the bad guys. So there's no minions you fight in this. Your only fight you have is the eight bad guys at the end, but there is a method.
1: All right, we can uh, obviously that method can be looked up.
0: Yeah, and and it, and actually, even um, it's kind of as long as you remember how you fought the bosses in the previous game and what weapons work with what boss, um, it's pretty easy. I mean, when you fight when you fight Ganon it's pretty much you are literally playing a volleyball game <laughs> with him. <laughs> when he shoots the blast at you you hit it with your sword and send it back at him and you keep going until someone messes up right. so you know it, it's the, it, if, it's very and you'll also see some bosses pop in some forms pop in from um, a link to the past now when this game came out it was put out as a sequel to a link to the past
1: Right.
0: Except for when the Zelda timeline finally got, you know, several years later, this actually is the third considered to be the third game in a little mini series in this, in within the Legend of Zelda called the Trials of the T- Triforce. The first two games are the Oracle of Seasons and the Oracle of Ages. All right. And you'll we'll actually see how they make those two games fit before *A Link's Awakening*. If and we'll talk about that when we talk about those two games, but right. it's very interesting with this game because everyone—it's it, very interesting because it was—it's still one of the. This actual *Link's Awakening* is still—it's still argued where it actually falls in the timeline. Some people put it after Ocarina of Time and A Link to the Past, but before the Oracle of Season and Ages. Some people put it after the Oracle of Seasons and Ages. Seeing how the Oracle of Season and Ages ends, I can see why it would fit after those two interlinked games. But I also love my my favorite character in the game is Alria. Rira. Alria. Rira.
1: that's the person who talks to you on the phone.
0: But will not talk to you if you show up at his house and try to talk to them. He directs you to call him. Hmm. (laughs) Because he won't talk to you in real life. You can go into any one of the many phone booths on the island and talk with him. And he gives you hints of where to go in the game. But if you go to his house, he won't talk to you at all. He's shy.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: I know. Anything else? No, nah, not that I could think of right now. It'll probably hit me later. It usually does.
1: Okay. Well, well, we'll we'll catch that uh, another on another podcast because we should probably start looking at wrapping things up. So after this short break, we will have our contact information, this game, this day in gaming history, and everything else. <laughs> Thank you. support the Irregulars, head over to www.patreon.com backslash FC3ROC. We're part of the media division of Flower City Comic Con, based in Rochester, New York. We're a non-profit group. Everything we make off of Patreon and everything else we do goes right back into putting on our future conventions and other events, from reserving the facilities to bringing in guests. If you pledge any amount, even a slim dollar you will receive improved access to my blog entries, where every Tuesday I go over current video game news and write retrospectives on old-school arcade games, all delivered conveniently to your inbox. There's plenty of other perks and rewards, and if you don't see what you're looking for, reach out to the crew. They'll be happy to work with you. Want to get a hold of us in particular? You can email Christy directly at krissi at fc3roc.org and me at james at fc3roc.org. At the moment, we're still working out most social media matters, but we are indeed on Facebook at Gaming Street Irregulars. Chrissy and I are fairly frequently there sharing news and things we find cool, and begging, I mean asking, for your questions and answers to be used in upcoming episodes. Yeah, asking, that's the ticket. We love hearing from you all, whether you have praise, constructive criticism, or just want to share something cool and gaming-related yourselves. Also, wherever you find FC3 on social media, we're usually not too far behind, so if you reach out to them with something for us, they'll get it to us shortly. Legally speaking, all music, sound effects, voice clips, and so on are the properties of their respective owners. We make no claim to them and have no intention of profiting off of them. Please don't sue us. We have nothing you'd want. Welcome back, everyone. Now for this day in gaming history on April 22nd in 2007 with the re- United States and Canadian releases of Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. Ooh. And so this was the fourth generation of Pokemon and introduced what I would argue would be one of the cutest sets of starters since the original game, Turtwig, Piplup, and Chimchar. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, those three are freaking adorable. I mean, most starter Pokemon are because you want to, you're going to be adventuring with that one a lot and you want to, and the developers want you to get attached. But these, these three are definitely cuties.
0: Yeah. They're, I, most Pokemon are like, starter Pokemon, most starter Pokemon are like, oh, they're so adorable. Then they get like, as they evolve and then they get bigger and more scarier, I'm like, okay. Can you go back to being a baby? I liked you as
1: a baby. <laughs> of
0: course. And then Mewtwo just just needs to go.
1: We're gonna have to schedule a Pokemon episode one of these days.
0: Mm-hmm. Add it to the list. Add yep. it to the pile. Add it to the list. There went my Hyrule high, high Historia. Best present Good. ever. Do you know?
1: And on that happy note, we are gonna call it a day for today. Mm-hmm. Christmas. I'm James Irish. Thank you so much for tuning in to Gaming Street Regulars, and as always, game on! Bye, everyone!